0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: All right, good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. This is Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner, and we have another very interesting topic for you today. We're going to be talking about some tax law changes. Super interesting, right? But this is how it may impact you and especially your retirement plans if you are planning to pass them on to your children or somebody who is not your spouse. So this might sound like a thing that you're interested in, or it might sound like, hey, that's not really important to me. But I would really encourage you to listen in because it could, in fact, impact your children in a tremendous way. And you can strategically mitigate problems by being really ahead of this this topic and context and really understanding what it means. So some tax changes happened just a year ago that are impacting people starting now. So Bruce, let's go ahead and jump in to the SECURE Act and what it... In fact, means and specifically how it applies to retirement plans.
0: Yeah, uh, good morning. Um, First of all, we, uh, as always, um, we have a really good grasp of this information. But uh, for your specifics, you really need to um, talk to your own tax professional, CPA, so on and so forth, because this is uh, going to be specific. But we're going to talk about the the takeaways in the Secure Act. And yes, some of it is about taxes, but some of it is also about um, trying to help individuals save for retirement. And in, and uh, there are some more lifetime income strategies for people um, that they can actually use some annuities now for this. So let's just talk about the the, the three, or excuse me, the, the, the takeaways, the key takeaways for this. The Repeals the maximum age of traditional IRA contributions from 70 and a half to 72. So now if, you had to start taking uh, required minimum distributions in 2020. So this, this went in effect, January 1st, 2020, you can now delay those um, until 72. It does increase the, um, it, it does obviously increase the potential for additional tax for two reasons. Uh, the first is, is that your retirement account could grow which everybody would say is a good thing, but it also then increases your tax liability. It also, um, what it does is it takes the, ta- the possibility of paying taxes into the future much greater and thus um, puts you at uh, government risk of increasing taxes. So uh, that's an important thing to consider. It also allows long-term part-time workers to participate in 401k plans. Previously, only full-time workers could do this. It yeah, first, actually, more- I
1: thought that was really interesting that it was kind of making retirement plans available to a wider range of people, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, if you could really look at this and kind of say, well, the government says, hey, we need to help more people be able to plan for their future. We have Social Security not fully enough. We need to have this supplemental investment or savings by the individual not enough people are putting money into retirement plans, so how do we make them better? And we could say, is that really the ideal way to go to make retirement plans better? But really, at the same time, we're looking at the government is saying, how can we figure out a way to improve this situation where 55% of adults are not putting money into 401ks and retirement plans? Maybe there's a good reason for that. Um, but then also looking at the typical retirement plan has, I think, in the ballpark of like dollars in it for people who are 65 and over, which is just interesting, realizing that that's not enough. So this whole idea of having part-time workers now be able to contribute is the government's way of saying, well, hey, if that was your reason for not putting money into a 401k, now we're making it easier for you. If if you're not full-time, you can even just be part-time, and there's some rules on that. It's like a 1,000 hours a year or 500 for three years in a row, right?
0: Yes, and um, I, I think it's interesting when we start talking about this is that um, if 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 uh, full time workers previously were not putting a lot of money in, I'm not sure why all of a sudden part time workers would start putting a lot of money in.
1: Sure, uh, and that's <laughs> you and I's perspective, right?
0: <laughs> it's just it's just human it's just human nature. But they did put a, they they did put a, some tax breaks in it for the businesses. And one of the bigger tax breaks they put in is actually if you make it an automatic enrollment, Mm -hmm. um, then you get a bigger tax break. Um, I actually have run into this with uh, some employers where their employees actually have to opt out of actually getting. They don't have to opt in. They actually have to opt out.
1: Yeah, I saw something really interesting that they can automatically enroll you at a higher percentage, too. So I think it was like 10% before, and now they can put you in at 15%. Um, anyway, so just really interesting things that are trying to get people to put more money away into retirement plans. And we, we're sitting here saying, Hmm, our retirement plans really the ideal place for you to be putting your money in the first place. But at the same time, there are some specific things that you need to know because maybe tax deferring is a good idea for you. And maybe it is something you really need to think about when you're crossing a tax deferral bridge between yourself and the next generation. That's really where this comes into play. But I'd love to hear you kind of share the rest of what we're looking at with this plan.
0: Yeah. And so then just real quickly, there is some uh, lifetime annuity strategies that you can now use in a retirement plan, which I think is good because uh, there's always a fear of people running out of money. Um, Mm -hmm. It also permits parents to withdraw $5,000 penalty free from the plans for birth and adoption expenses. And so once again, I think I've mentioned this many times on the show that. How many billions of dollars people have taken out of retirement plans prematurely and, and actually mm-hmm. paid additional penalties? Maybe this will help alleviate part of that. And it allows parents to, to actually withdraw $10,000 from 529 plans um, to repay student loans. Now, some people might be saying, well, why are they getting student loans if they already have 529 plans? Um, Good question. <laughs> well, actually, we could say that. Um, it is actually easier in a lot of cases just to go ahead and get the um, student loan. It may be at a lower rate, and you think your 529 plan can actually grow at a faster uh, amount than the rate of the um, of the interest rate of the loan. So that you know you're kind of becoming your own bank in that situation. Yeah, you're using
1: arbitrage. Mm-hmm.
0: You're using arbitrage. However, you know there's volatility involved, so on and so forth. Uh, also, if one if one um, person in the family does not use their 529, you could actually use it to pay another one of the family members. um,
1: Which that's a tremendous benefit.
0: Correct. And so there are, there are reasons for that. So that's really, really good. But the, the big part of the secure act that everybody needs to know is the, um, is, is now uh, you can uh, actually begin RMDs at age 72 I don't Which think that's this, a
1: change because it used to be you were required to start taking required minimum distributions at 70 and a half, right?
0: Right, and the government um, basically had a um, percentage of increase that you had to take out of your uh, your your deferred account every year until it was exhausted. Um, now they moved to 72. The reasoning for this is that they said that people are living longer. And so if mm-hmm. they don't if they don't need the money earlier because they're they're actually continuing to work. Then why penalize them for taking it out? You know, um, in an earlier time period, let's let them delay so it lasts longer. Not a bad change, um, mm-hmm. but but also agree. you got to also think of though: are you deli- delaying taxes uh, that might increase in the future too?
1: Which so, and then none of us know what taxes are going to do in the future. And I guess that is the number one question that really should be at the forefront of someone's mind as they're thinking about this whole. bless you. This whole idea of tax deferral in the first place, if I defer a tax, that means I'm not paying tax on this particular amount of my income today, and then I don't get a free pass. It's not that I'm never going to pay tax on that money. I'm going to just pay tax at some point in the future when I take the distributions out. And so that's why we even want to be concerned about this idea of when you take the money out, because it impacts not only your income, but potentially very Potentially your taxes.
0: Yeah. And so let's, this is the, this is the meat part of the discussion today. And so let's just, let's just dive into this. So uh, let's think about this. Um, first of all, let's de- determine what is an inherited or beneficiary IRA or what is a spousal IRA. So if two people are actually um, married, um, they actually have a different rule than what we're talking about. So example, uh, a spouse in this case, let's say the, the, uh, woman, um, has a tax deferred account, an IRA or 401k, and they are required to take minimum distributions at age 72. And they're taking them, they're taking them for six, eight, 10 years. They die at, let's just say age 80, their spouse is also, um, the same age, age 80, a spouse allows to inherit the um, tax deferred account and then take them RMDs over their lifetime, just like the previous spouse did. So spousal okay. rules are different than what we're talking about today. So
1: you're saying with a spousal rule, you wouldn't have to increase the distributions or decrease them. You can just leave them the same and continue to receive, this, receive the same amount of income.
0: Correct. There's one exception to this rule that I know of. If the spouse is more than 10 years younger than the, the deceased spouse, then that deceased spouse then has to turn it into an inherited IRA
1: Mm, and um,
0: they have to then follow those particular rules. Uh, That's the way I understand, uh, understood the previous rule. And, um, I'm sure that the, this, this rule is the same way. Once again, consult your, um, current tax preparer, but, um, this is, I'm sure they kept that as the same. Now let's talk about an inherited IRA. In the previous, in the previous rule, if you were to give it to somebody that was, um, a beneficiary, normally it was your, somebody in your family, but it doesn't have to be they would then have to start taking required minimum distributions right away, but they could stretch it over their lifetime. So let's say a 35-year-old inheritance from a 80-year-old, they would then take those RMDs every year beginning, and I see this all the time uh, with my clients, is they'll have a small amount of inherited money coming out of a tax-deferred account, even at age 35, and then at age 36, It's a little bit larger, hopefully, Mm. at age 37, so on and so forth. However, with the new rule, what they're going to say is a 35-year-old has to take out the entire amount uh, over a 10-year period. Now, my understanding is they could take it out all right away. They could take it out incrementally, or they can wait to the very end and take it all out in one year.
1: As long as it's within that 10-year window.
0: As long as it's within 10-year window. And, and um, there is very big penalties, as much as 50% of what the, what the required minimum distribution was. Um, so you want to make sure you follow these rules. Now, let's just talk about the implications of this. So I tell people all the time that the American dream is that your children are better off than you are. Mm-hmm. So, and in fact, I find this not every time, but I find this a majority of the time. So the parents are good savers. And oftentimes they're they're good savers uh, in a lower inflation environment, you know, the last 40 years. And so they were able to save money and not have made as much money that they were taxed on during that 40-year period. A simpler way to say this is they may have only been averaging maybe $50,000 to $75,000 of income over that 40-year, 50-year period, but they were able to save a million dollars in a tax-deferred position, where their 35-year-old son or daughter is actually in the workforce and because of inflation might be making 100000 120, 150, 180000 and if they're married, they might be making 20,0, 250000 now, this million dollars has to come out over ten, a 10-year ten period. So now they have taxable income, let's say, of $200,000. They decide to take one-tenth of that out. Now they put it on top of the $200,000. And now they're stacking that taxable amount from $200,000 taxable, additional $100,000. Now they're being taxed at $300,000. Which so
1: is a different tax bracket
0: potentially it's a, a, a different tax bracket. And the other thing is, is we don't even know what the tax brackets are going to be because the tax brackets can be changed w- through Congress at any time. Mm-hmm. Not only not only the percentage they take out, but the width of the brackets, how how um, long you will stay in that particular bracket. So Yes, potentially- and
1: I like to think of that as a tax threshold. So the amount of money that it requires you to make in order to bump into the next tax bracket. So what you're saying, those width of those brackets, that just means the change of the threshold. So it's possible that the threshold or the width of the bracket might be $100,000 of a width right now, and it could shrink so that you have Less required to bump up into the next tax bracket, and that's the really interesting thing about taxes as a whole. I mean, we don't know what future tax rates will be. We don't know what the thresholds for each bracket will be. We don't know how many brackets there will be. There's no guarantee that we'll have the same tax landscape in the future for our kids that we have today.
0: Correct. And uh, taxable income, uh, like right now, uh, from one six 160, from one hundred sixty-eight thousand to approximately three hundred twenty. One thousand, you are actually in the same tax bracket—the twenty-four oh, percent okay. tax bracket. Now, this was this is very different because of the Tax and Jobs Act of two thousand seventeen. However, if you're down in the twenty-two percent tax bracket, that only goes from seventy-eight thousand to one hundred sixty-eight approximately, and so you're only at ninety thousand. So now, if you're pushing close to the one hundred fifty, you're actually push, pushed up into the twenty-four percent tax bracket. And that one is going to cost you a minimum of 2% more um, taxes on your income. If you're down, now here's the real big one. Let's say you um, are just starting out. Maybe you're, maybe you're not making that much. Maybe you have four children. Maybe you have a lot of tax exemptions, so on and so forth. Maybe you own a business. And so you're, you're, you don't show a lot of income. And you're down in the 12%. Tax bracket, but you're making about seventy five thousand taxable income, and now you have to stack hundred thousand dollars on top of that seventy five thousand. It goes from twelve percent to twenty two percent. So you're paying ten percent additional taxes on that income. That is a big, um, a big jump. There are absolutely, also there, and yeah.
1: I, think, I think it is really helpful when we understand as you're talking about the whole picture, because. If you just think, today, my one objective is to store up as much money in this account as possible because I'm deferring tax, which means the amount that I put in my contributions into the tax-deferred plan each year, that comes off of my taxable income, so it lowers my taxable income this year, potentially bumping me down into a lower tax bracket. Maybe, maybe not. I know you're going to talk about this in a second. But if we just think about today only, we only think about our own life, we don't step back and look at the big picture, we can miss the implications that can be happening for the people who will be receiving the distributions if we don't live as long as we're planning to or if we end up using up our other assets and using our retirement plan as our legacy. So I think it's really helpful to step into two shoes. One, the shoes of you as you're putting away the money today and two, the shoes of you if you are receiving money from somebody else who was tax deferring.
0: Absolutely. I actually have a client that has two daughters who are doctors. They One of them's married to a doctor and another one is married to a very successful person. They are paying the max in taxes of 37% mm-hmm. and an additional about 8% state taxes. So uh, now in retirement, this particular client has about $2.4 million in tax deferred but they only live, they only live on $80,000 a year. They're very frugal, which I find a lot of times in the baby boomer generation, that is true. So we started talking about tax strategies now. Should we maybe actually have him take out more to pay at his lower tax rate, even though he doesn't need the money, so that he's paying at a lower tax rate, so that he can pass it on what's left in a more favorable tax situation, whether it be a a brokerage account, whether it be in a, in our case, we're looking at a tax um, specially designed um, insurance policy. So it would grow tax free, or whether it's just put it in your mattress or a money market account, because Mm -hmm. he knows he's gonna pay uh, at the most 22%, but if he passes it to his children, they're gonna pay 37 plus 8% of state taxes. So these are the kind of strategies that we talk about with uh, parents that say, hey, maybe you shouldn't just now, you shouldn't just you know, mind, mindlessly pass the IRA as your legacy and maybe do some active tax planning. This is what I always call it, mm-hmm. active tax planning instead of passive tax planning. Um, Absolutely. It doesn't happen in every- everything, but you should. Here's one last thing I'd like to talk about the implications. And this is mm-hmm. one, one ritual that people do not think about as we start to live longer and longer, we now have people that are in their nineties that have children that are really close to actually be in a required minimum distribution age because they would have had them, a society had children at a younger age mm-hmm.
1: back then. Oh, so yeah.
0: if, they're, if they're at like 92, they had them at 18 Uh, you can see where they would be 74 now. Or even if at 20, they would be 72. Mm -hmm. Well, there's something called uh, means testing in uh, Social Security and Medicare so that if you actually make more money, you have to actually pay more for your Medicare Part B and Part D payments. And this is substantial. So I'm just going to give some examples. So let's say somebody is paying... Um a hundred um right now it's about $144 a month for their part D. And I'm sorry, Part B. We don't have time to go into this. Maybe this is a good topic for later on. We'll start talking about Medicare uh payments, but part D is varied. If they go up a hundred thousand dollars from that, they suddenly change their Medicare payments if they're single from 144 to well over $350 a month. And that's, so
1: that's for Part B?
0: That's for Part way, B correct. only. That's for Part B only. Um, part D will also be impacted, but it's I can't really tell you because it's more of a sliding scale
1: mm-hmm.
0: on, on that situation. But So that's another huge impact that uh, a person could have by having an inherited IRA that they have to now take out over a ten-year period, and that is um, that. You know that that impacts people's cash flow. Now, I know what some people are saying. Well, yeah, they got to pay another twenty-five thousand or twenty-five hundred dollars, and maybe three thousand dollars more for their Medicare Part B, Part D, but they just received hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> you know, from the inherited IRA. Yeah, that's true. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not saying that they're going to be uh, difficult. Have difficult cash flow. What I'm saying is, without active tax planning, it's another three thousand dollars that could be going out the window. Now think about well, and this. it's just
1: whittling away something that you were planning to pass on a certain right. amount. And no matter if it's hundred dollars lost or fifty dollars lost, really, what you don't want is you don't want to think you're you're transferring. I, I know we talked about it. it's not a gift. You're tra- you're you don't want to think I'm transferring this legacy of this amount of money, and all of a sudden all of these things are taking their cut of it and it's not anything like what you intended.
0: Right, and, and think about this. It's, if, if it increases your Part B and Part D by as much as 3,000, and that's, it can actually increase it by more than that. That was just my example. Mm-hmm. On $100,000 of an RMD, that means you've lost 3% of the RMD. Yes. So, so, so now if you put into a growth compound or where you're trying to compound the growth, you're you're down 3% every year from that growth.
1: Which so as I, we know, you cannot lose 3%, gain 3% to, to be back at zero. You now have to gain more than what you lost just to recover. So that means you're having to work extra hard to keep everything up. I mean, honestly, just it's like a mobile. Everything is related to everything else and balances everything else out. And if you... Only look at one factor, you're going to miss the landscape and realize that you could have done so much better.
0: Yeah. And this is the final thing that I'd like to um, finish with this today. For every dollar that you can save legally in taxes, it's another dollar that you can save, invest, or give away. When you invest it, you actually, um, or excuse me, when you save that particular dollar, that's another uh, dollar that you are actually gaining in your control without taking any risk. So that is an important thing for risk-adverse people.
1: Oh, yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were going to go on to the, um, the save, invest, or give away as well. well so.
0: No, I'm just saying that it's a really a mindset for people. It's funny. I, I, I've used this analogy a lot of times. People are dry, and I know you, you've, you remember this because you've talked about this. People will drive down the road. They will, they'll, there'll be a median in the road. They'll see gasoline on this side for $3. Oh, yeah. They'll see gasoline over here for $2.90. They will drive to the stoplight. They will make a U turn. They'll pull in, they'll put 10 gallons in, they save a dollar. But yet they won't take the time to actually do an active tax plan, where in this case we just gave could save them potentially $3,000 a year
1: Mm -hmm. for 10 years. Well, and I think the whole, the interesting thing about this whole thing is that you can maximize your money. You can optimize the way that you are using a functional money system in your life. And that will improve not only your life today, but your kids' life in the future. That will allow you to spend more, save more, invest more, build time and money freedom more effectively, and live a happier life. And so that's ultimately our goal here is to empower you with education and knowledge that really helps you take control and allows you to enjoy life more fully. So that's what we have hopefully done today. I don't see any specific questions but i also was not watching the chat correctly today so i'll try to make sure that i do that next time um thank you guys so much for watching and being with us today if you are interested in finding out more we do want to let you know that we've mentioned today specially designed whole life insurance if that's something you've heard us talk about before or you just might have heard a little key about that today that it's tax free it's actually tax deferred growth but you almost never end up paying tax on that growth through interest and dividends. If you're interested in learning more, we do have a free guide that you can get. It's called the Quick and Easy Privatized Banking Guide for Investors. It shows you how to accelerate time and money freedom, boost investment returns, and not take on additional risk. It's a fantastic strategy for a lot of people. Um, we also have a course on the same thing if you're interested in digging deeper, or you can book an appointment directly with, uh, with us and our team at themoneyadvantage.com. And we have access to our calendar right there, and you can book an appointment and really figure out how to strategically maximize your money that you have today so that you can make the most of it. We're not about making just more money or having a flashy return or being in a position where you have the biggest nest egg. However, we are in a position of saying, how do you take the income that you make, keep as much of it as possible, protect it and use it to make more so that you can build time and money freedom. So with that being said, thank you so much for joining us today. And in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, We encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated, and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.